Welcome to In Conversation with Kathleen. I'm Kathleen Kettles. I'm a psychotherapist and I love people and their stories. In each episode, I'll be speaking with a guest about what the word success means to them. And at the end of each interview, I'll be discussing the episode with co-creator and editor Remy. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Kathleen. Today, I am delighted to be speaking to musician and singer-songwriter Daniel Champagne, who is also a touring musician. And when I say touring musician, oh my goodness, do I mean it. (laughs) So welcome, Daniel. Really good to see you. Thank you for having me, Kathleen. It's good to to be here. (laughs) So tell me where you are today. I'm in Nashville in, in the States. So I'm doing a really big tour here. I'm playing 75 shows all around the country over four months and we're about a quarter into it. So today is a day off. I played in town last night and um, tomorrow we kind of head into the Midwest and play lots of shows. Tomorrow's St. Louis and then Kansas City and Des Moines and Minneapolis. And Yeah. So what does your life look like with where you are right now? Like, so obviously I'm speaking to you and you're in the car, you're obviously having a day off. That's great. But this next few weeks, is it just hotel room to hotel room and how does it work for you? It's a it's a bit of a mix. Like I fortunately my girlfriend came to America a week ago. And so she's on the road with me for the next three weeks. And this next run is it's actually ten shows in ten days. So it's a bit of a mix as far as where we're staying. It's kind of some hotels, some friends along the way, some random people who've reached out and and invited us to stay at their place. Uh, so most days would look like get up when when you need to. Like it's not usually an early wake because then there'll probably be like four, three to five hours driving each day. Get to the venue for four o'clock, five o'clock, sound check, have dinner, play the gig. Great. You're so passionate and you really feel that when I follow you on the social media stuff, you and your guitar are just one. And I remember no. when I first met you, we were just talking before we started recording, trying to remember when I first met Daniel. And we think it was about nine years ago when you came to play in a friend's gallery, Susie in Kirimir. She said, <laughs> oh, you're going to love him. You're going to love him. I'm thinking, is he just on his own? Because you, you felt like sweet, <laughs> such a young person. <laughs> yeah. as, as two mothers, you know, we're like, he's very young, isn't he? He's traveling the world on his own. <laughs> um, but it was just great. And I remember thinking... Where are all the other instruments? Because you use that guitar in the in the conventional way, but you're also using it as a percussion. And my goodness, for anyone who hasn't heard Daniel Champagne's music, definitely get online and have a look. Now we get on to the bit about success. I just had to do that little slight ramble there. What does the word success mean to you? And this can be across the board, anything. It can be to do with health, relationships, finances, your passion, whatever you like. What does it mean to you? It's a big question. Um, I think for me, it means sort of being able to do what what you want to do without having to compromise that. And I think for me, it kind of needs to take a bit of work, but not crazy amounts of of stress. And yeah, that's a convoluted answer. Mm. Yeah, I think being being able to do what you want to do comfortably, but not too easily, not too hard. Yeah, that's great though. I think, that, and you know, when when people see the list of tour dates, for example, 
I, I haven't looked at the exactly how many gaps you have, like you say, today's a day off, for example. But looking at your two day, you think, whoa, this guy is working hard, like he is doing the work. But then to hear you say that there's balance there and, you know, you're going to work, but it's not all work. So that's really refreshing because you could look at your uh, schedule and think, that's crazy. What's he doing? You know, that's so busy. Um, and do you feel that the word success has evolved over time for you? I think so. Yeah, I, I think starting out, um, I didn't really know sort of what I wanted to do or, or like how to do it. But I think that initially, like thinking about going and succeeding in music was, you know, becoming megastar, playing stadiums, being on TV, etc. Um, and then I think as I kind of went through my career, I start realizing what what feels kind of important and special about music. And so for me, I think now success is, rather than the visions of massive crowds, um, success is a bit more like a couple of people coming up to you at the end of a show and, you know, being in tears or saying that song meant, meant a lot to them or, you know, their friend from the other side of the world sent them along. Um, I think I think that, yeah, the success has become probably a bit more intimate, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and personal was the word I was just thinking about there. That's really, that is lovely. And I do tell people all over the world, in Australia, in the US and Canada, when you're touring, because it's like, you've got to go and see him. Because the song Nightingale is one of my favourites. And it really, whew, you know, I, I sometimes have to skip it if I'm listening to you in the car because it makes me a little bit emotional. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, it is beautiful. Um, yeah, so you've learned that that big, big picture of, um, you know, the big filling the stadiums thing has kind of pulled back and you feel that the more important stuff is that intimate connection with people who are fans of your music who want to come along. So how did that, how did you cope with that during the pandemic, being that your live performing is such a big part of who you are it was definitely a weird time for me as it was with everybody um I think one positive thing was I I probably needed a break anyway so it was a good force break and I heard that from from a lot of artists because coming up as an artist you you really you kind of get into the habit and you need to say yes to everything and kind of keep going because you don't really know when opportunities are gonna gonna run out and even when you get more established, you still somehow have this mindset that, you know, you've got to keep keep the wheels turning and keep saying yes. Um, so for me, it was a good moment of like stopping, having a break, reflecting on sort of, you know, the past 10 years and maybe having to think about what, what you're going to do next a bit more. Um, it was also a good family time for me. I, I went back to Australia because I had been based in the U.S., and um, hung out with family and, and I'm at a stage of life where brothers and sisters are starting to have kids and people are moving back to the hometown and, and all those sort of good things. So it was, it was a positive thing for me, but it was certainly like it was also hard. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Did it give you a chance to write more, more material? Yeah, yeah. Bit, uh, bits and pieces. Uh, I'm someone that I get inspiration from touring and whirlwind and um, meeting people at shows and seeing all the different places. So often when I'm touring, I get lots of little bits of inspiration, but then you do need time to actually craft out the songs. Mm. So I'd say that the the pandemic time 
was a lot of time to work on ideas that I'd had. I did find it difficult to get new inspiration um, at the time. But yeah, a lot, a lot of songs. There was a whole album that was, was kind of written through there. So going back then, you mentioned about being from Australia. How did you get to this point? Very much one thing led to another. Um, so I guess career-wise, it was very much at the end of high school, um, I looked at the things that I loved doing. And those two things were playing music and playing cricket. <laughs> and I was probably, I was old enough to realize that cricket I probably wasn't going to get there sort of thing. So I was like, well, let's try and play music just for as long as I can until, you know, and if it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll go and study or do do something else. And I guess the short answer is it never, yeah, I've never had a reason to stop. Like it's always progressed slowly and one thing led to another. I started out playing um, little festivals and lots of lots of pub gigs around Australia. And then I got a few very fortunate opportunities playing some festivals overseas. And I guess every year it was kind of just like a little little positive thing was added to, to what I was building. It was never, I, I don't think I've ever had like a really big leap. Like I've never had, um, people always talk about like the big break. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know how much I believe in that or not, but, um, it's always been very slow and, and progressive for, for me. Yeah. And it feels like you've done the work that's enabled that momentum to kind of keep going and building and building and building on that. Because when, when I met you at Susie's nine years ago, I think there was maybe 20 people in that wee gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small, small venue, beautiful and very intimate. And you're in the back room and then you come through and it's like, oh, excitement, excitement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just such, you could feel the warmth from the audience. I felt really in a very special place at a very special moment in time and watching you progress over the last nine years with all these lists of tour dates and thinking, oh, gosh, he's done so well. He's doing so great. This is fab, you know, and on Spotify and checking out what you're up to. It's it's, it's marvellous. So obviously the reason behind this podcast is to help people who feel stuck and they sometimes just feel overwhelmed by what's in front of them or what's been thrown on their path. So what was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome on this journey to where you are today? Oh, um, definitely like performing is, is a physical thing and a mental thing. So you're obviously on stage every night and your body's doing this thing, but your head's always doing this thing. Uh, and sometimes it can be a separate thing. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, I think realizing what was important um, was a big step in that I'm now very good at a, a, a simple example would be when, when you're younger and you turn up to a venue and there's only seven tickets sold, it, it was very hard mentally to get yourself into, into that gig. Mm-hmm. But um, I think over the years I've done so many shows and had every type of audience imaginable and I now accept that that happens sometimes mm-hmm. and it, it's not really important. It doesn't really affect the show. Um, I think... For me, over the years, I've had to be, had to make a lot of decisions, um, which has been like, if I want to do this as much as I am, then I've got to cut things out. So 
I always loved like drinking in my twenties, but I don't drink anymore. I, I kind of run every day now. I eat a lot better. Um, I think just boring adult things like that have, have been the biggest, biggest sort of change and learning curve. I like hearing that, that you sort of taken control in a way of these situations that could feel challenging. If you were a bit hungover and there were three people waiting to hear you, you'd be like, seriously, I don't even want to go out there, you know? So <laughs> it is interesting that that's, that's a decision you've made as you've got older. So on that note, what was the internal dialogue like for you during those tough times? What's your kind of internal chatter? Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure any artist had like questions if, if it's working or, you know, if they should be doing it, if there's something better to be doing with your time. I guess that's, I guess any human questions that if there's something better to be doing with, with your time. So I get, I guess that's the type of thing, you know, and, and, uh, it can, it can be very difficult in, in your head when you're performing. Um, but yeah, ultimately I learned that wasn't really what was so important. Yeah. So so thinking about could I be doing something better with your time, is that kind of soothed when you get feedback from your audience, when you hear people saying, like when I said, I turn, I skip it sometimes if I'm driving because I have to be able to see and I might start crying when I hear Nightingale. So that kind of feedback, when you hear how your music touches people and uplifts them and moves them in certain ways, is that what makes you realise that your music does make a difference to people? I think so. I think the feedback from people and also how it makes me feel myself. Yeah, um, so a, a lot of those doubts would often come before the show um, because sometimes it's kind of the context of before a show is like you've had a long day, you haven't slept, you've driven somewhere, you might be hungover. This is in past tense. Um, you're backstage in a lifeless dressing room and it's wondering how you're going to bring yourself to jump on stage and 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 be passionate, openly passionate. And, um, but I, once you get into the gig, it makes, makes me feel really good and makes it feel really important. It's like a good connection with other humans. And then also after the gig, when, when you speak to people or sort of, you know, hear, hear how it's affected them. That's lovely. So it's that mutually beneficial relationship that's happening there. Your audience is pleased. They've come out to hear you. You're pleased to have given that performance. So that's really healthy. So if you witnessed a friend or loved one starting off their journey the way you've done and you could support them in some way and help them through the more tricky aspects of that, what advice would you give them? What would you say? Um, I th I think just that there's nothing as important as the music and um, don't do it if it doesn't feel right. Because people, as I mentioned before, people can get lost in like how big something is or how busy they are or how much money it's making. Um, but I think ultimately any musician, no matter how kind of successful they are on the scale, um, realizes that if something's beautiful and it's great, that's kind of the only thing that's that's important. Yeah. That's lovely. That's a really good answer. And don't do it if it doesn't feel right. Oh, my goodness. If we could gift that to every young person, no matter where they are and what journey they're following, that was, that's a great piece of advice. Do you think that not knowing, you know, having feelings and thinking this doesn't feel right and doing it anyway, and then kind of retrospectively thinking, 
oh, I shouldn't have done that. Do you think that's something that people have to have gone through before they have the ability to acknowledge, I'm not doing that again, that wasn't the right thing? Or do you think we can give that sort of advice to somebody? I think a lot of advice, it's like, makes sense in hindsight, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So there's probably things that older people said to me that at the time didn't make sense or I didn't take on board, but but now I, I look at it. Um, I, I think that an example I would use for that is like there's been times with me and I'm sure other artists where I might be trying to write music or record music because I felt like people would like it more or like a certain type of song or the way it was produced or those sorts of things. Um, but I think over the years I've learned to really recognize like what is me and what's not me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the music that I make now and, and record and perform, it's not really a question of what's what's better or not. It's kind of more what's, for me, what's more honest and, and truthful, I think. That's that's great. Do you know what's interesting, isn't it? I think this about a lot of musicians, especially, that when you first hear them performing and maybe they've gone with an independent label and they and you really feel that what they've produced and what they're singing is genuine and pure and their work and they love it and they're and you feel it, you genuinely feel it as an audience um, member, as a listener. When a, a bigger company steps in, often you still can hear elements of that person and the sincerity of their music, but suddenly it doesn't feel as authentic. It doesn't feel as much of a connection I have with that person anymore. And that's what you're saying there, that it goes back actually to the don't do it if it doesn't feel right. So it might feel right on this sort of, I'm going to make it big now that I have this backing, but then you've maybe lost some of your audience then because you're no longer that authentic singer who's who's producing work from their own heart. I think what you've shared there will be useful to not just creatives, not just musicians, but people across the board about the tenacity you have about keeping going too. You've you've done a lot of work, but I'm I was happy to hear that it hasn't been work that has meant there is no balance in your life. You have you have mm-hmm. still kept that balance, and you've you've made sure there's always that time. And the pandemic gave you a bit of a breather, and a bit more of a creative <laughs> gap where you could make more music and take time to do that and hang out with family, which is also hugely important. I would say that like I haven't. I had to learn to, and I'm I'm still gradually trying to find that elusive balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were certainly periods and like years where I was just doing gig, 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 gig for the sake of it, not you know thinking or, or feeling much about it. Mm-hmm. So where's your actual home base? I know you're in Australia, but are you down in Melbourne way? I can't remember. I'm kind of halfway between Melbourne and Sydney. Right. Okay. Um, I was I was born in Melbourne, but I grew up and and based now on the on the south coast. So it's just at the bottom of New South Wales. Yeah. Oh, lovely. It's beautiful there. I was just my last thing here was just about have you got any words of support for anyone struggling right now? But I feel you may have touched on that with the words of advice. But if you have anything else you'd like to to share there, that would be great. I, th- I think for artists, I think sometimes you just need to go and do the gig or write the song, I think artists can get too caught up in thinking about it and taking 10 years to make the album. I think sometimes you've just got to book some gigs and go and play them rather than wait for the perfect gig to just get a song finished rather than waiting for the 
you know, your, your biggest hit song, you know, spend a day just recording stuff rather than sort of spending three days working on stuff to go into the studio. I think that's the biggest thing for me is to not sort of let things go too far in my head before you kind of just get out and, and do them. Thank you, Daniel. Now, I'd like people to find you and to find out about your tour dates. And can you share with us where the best place is for people to come in and find all your news? Yeah, I mean, the best um, for tour dates is just my website, danielchampagnemusic.com. And there's lots of tour dates in the States now. And then there's some in the UK and, and Europe and back in Australia. Unfortunately, I'm not getting to Scotland this time. How far um, north are you coming, though? Oh, not not very far. It's very much like me dipping my toe back into touring over there because it's been so long. It's been five years. And then as far as people following me, you know, depending on what their preferred social platform is, I'm on on most of them. Well, Remy will put that on the show notes for sure so people can find it. So the UK dates are really um, Birmingham and a little bit further south, but not Scotland. (laughs) That's okay. I'll have to get back there. Yeah, you should. It was great. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy to speak to you. Nice to see you again and keep doing what you're doing because it's great. Thanks so much, Kathleen. Great to speak to you. Yeah, hopefully I get back to Scotland someday soon. Well, that was lovely. Great to meet Daniel. He had a great message as well. I thought what he said about his idea of success, being able to do what you want without compromise. Yes. The little caveat as well about life being comfortable but not too easy yeah bit of work but not too much that should be the message and the the bit that I really stuck out as well was don't do it if it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. I mean listen to your body how long have I been banging on about that that is a hugely important message and for somebody as a musician he knew what he wanted to do 25 years old he had the idea that it might be you know, big stadiums and all the rest of it. But what was important to him really was the music and performing and getting out there. And I love that. And, you know, at the end there, when he said about just make the music, record, just do it, just get on and do it. It reminded me of Saskia DeFeiter, who we interviewed. One of the things she says, and I can't remember if she said it on the actual podcast, but she says it a lot and other things that I listened to her on other other episodes of her own podcast is just do it and do it messy. doesn't matter. Do it messy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because people think they have to produce something perfect mm-hmm. and that's never going to be attainable. What mm-hmm. is perfection? Perfection to you might not be perfection to somebody else. Do it and do it messy. And I think that matches what Daniel was saying there. Don't get too caught up thinking about it. That actually really inspired me to do what he said, really. Just do some recording, do some writing, just sit down and do it. Don't think so much about it. Just get it done. I often sort of describe my way of working as throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. So the way that I the way that I like to write music is to just produce loads of it. And that just like keeps your hand in as well. So you can keep doing it and do what you want and it doesn't have to be perfect. And it sounds like Saskia's message was really important as well. Yeah, just do it and do it messy. No, that was really good. And his tour dates, I really, really do recommend anyone who's in the States just now or going to be where he's going on his tour date this year to just go and see him because he's quite extraordinary to watch. He really is a very moving and I don't know there's something 
very emotional about watching him play because he really is the guitar and the guitar is him. And I've never seen somebody use a guitar the way he does. It, it becomes more than just a musical instrument. Yeah, he's obviously really passionate and he's doing something right, you know, being able to tour as much as he does. But you almost wouldn't guess it from his manner. He's so humble and peaceful to talk to and very considered and generous with his time. You know, he's so busy at the moment. And so it was really lovely to to kind of have a conversation with him and, and see the person off the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lovely. All right. Thanks for that. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for listening to In Conversation with Kathleen. I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy making these episodes. In the hope that someone else benefits from listening to the show, please like, subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for listening.